my car broke down. And I, so I, I always come like an extra hour early and just relax in my car because I'm like, if anything happens, at least I can get there. And as I was driving, I saw the signs, no road markings. And I thought, oh, it, was, it, 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 was, it spoke to me because today I'm going to be speaking about fathers building up foundations. And your motto is about um, raising up foundations. And it's so fundamental, especially in this day and age. Um, I wanted us, if we can turn to Psalm 68, and I'm going to read from verse 1. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them re rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Exalt him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Amen. Amen. Um, this week has been quite a different week for me. I've, been, I've actually been babysitting. People try and avoid getting me to babysit. They get a bit worried, because unless the children can cook, um, clean or do things like that, they kind of refrain. Um, so one of my very good friends, she, she's having her second child and her son's eight years old and they kept on preparing me, saying, oh Ruth, you need to make sure that you're actually prepared. You need to make sure that, you know, you, you can come and look after our son. And I, you know, in my heart I was thinking, I don't know why you're asking me. My sister, <laughs> my sister usually tries to get me to babysit my nephews and you know, God always answers my prayer. Somehow something happens and I don't have to come or I could just come for, well, I could just come while she does shopping and, you know, stay there. But this time was a bit different. They called me probably about 10 o'clock in the night and I really go to bed really early and the phone was ringing and I'm thinking, you know, my goodness. They're like, yeah, you've got to come now. We're going to the hospital. We need you to come now. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I must, have, I must have actually thought that it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but I had prayed, but obviously it was happening. And I was the person that they were calling. And so I was like, oh my goodness. I started to pack and I said, okay, they, they live in the city of London. So I took a cab down there. And I'm, I mean, I could have been the one actually giving birth because I, I was panicking. I was thinking, oh my goodness, what should I pack? And I thought, okay, I've got like my, my own hospital bag, you know. And anyway, I got there in the middle of the night. And, and Elijah, the, the eight-year-old, was sleeping, and you know they went to the hospital, and I was still there, really praying, really anxious. I, I, I mean, I've got um, my calling usually for the under thirties, you know. So now under eight is a bit of a worry <laughs> for me, you know, because you know there's a lot of dialogue, and I have to explain, and, and God is teaching me patience. <laughs> anyway, I woke up in the morning, and the first thing Elijah said to me. Okay, Auntie, do you want juice? Do you want tea? Do you want coffee? I was like, I think I'm moving in. This is really good. 
And, you know, they had a beautiful baby girl, and it was just, you know, Mark, um, his dad, had already put everything, there was a list of what I should do, and, you know, it was quite, it was quite very good. I could deal with lists and organisation, anything that means I have to use my mind to think that, okay, this has to happen. So it was just so perfect. But when I just saw Mark in action, and, and, and just the way he had covered his child. They were like, we, we feel safe that you're there. And I'm thinking, I don't feel safe that I'm here. I'm like, can we like swap, you know? But God is so gracious. This, Elijah just took me through the week. You know, he'll be like, yes, come on, we're gonna be late. And you know, and thank God I work from home. So I was trying to work, I don't know. I have to rate fathers and mothers. I have to really rate you because I couldn't switch off from actually this mothering role back to actually trying to do my work at home. So I was actually, by the time I had gotten underwhelmed and just like calmed down, it was time to pick him up again. And I'm like, surely this is like a job in itself. Anyway, he did a good job. He was such, he was such a blessing. And I just thank God for his life. And I, and I kind of just journeyed and just saw what happened. And I just, it took me back to my own dad. Like Mark, he's, he's a protector. You know, he's someone, he'll be like, you know, I still stay with my parents. And now, like, if it's like, a, like 8 o'clock, he'll be texting me, when are you coming home? And I'll be like, okay, you know. He'll be like, you're not here yet. And he'll, I'll come home and he's sitting down and he's waiting for me to get in and, you know. And, and when we look at fathers and actually what the role of father presents, so much more in this society and in this age, it's like, you know, just the family and, and, and the, the power of society attempts to fragment, you know. Sorry. That's okay. Make sure that's... It's because it's underneath. It's just because I'm wearing it. I'm always, yeah, I'm a drama queen. So, you know, it's okay. And so, um, he, when we look at the society and what it's done to the role of the family, what it's done to the role of um, mothers and fathers, and this fragmentation where family's not being promoted, and actually everything has been constructed to try and put pressure and put friction on family relationships, husbands and wives, children, and, and you just see this tension. So they're living in a tension. You've got families living in a tension. And what happens is that the foundations start breaking down. You know, from the foundations that we once had of old, where you're, you started to identify with your father, or you, you identified with, you know, this is the family structure that we're in. All of a sudden, I start identifying with celebrities, or I start identifying with people that might have a different um, standpoint of view than I do. And it's so fundamentally fragmented. And, and even as we look at ourselves as children of the Father, the Almighty God, you know, we find our identity in Him. You know, we don't find our identity in our carnal man, but we see our identity as being in the spirit man and being children of God, filled with His presence, um, a work in progress, you know, and stepping towards. So when you look at an identity, you know, you see a child who will look at the Father and say, yeah, you know, you know, before they'll be like, who do you want to be like when I grow up? I want to be like, I want to be like my dad. You know, and I, you know, my, one of my little nephews, and now he's eight actually, and he, 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 before he used to be like, oh, I just want to be like my dad, I look like my dad, and he looks just like my sister really, but, 
It's okay. The fact that he looks like my sister, he's really pressing that he looks like his dad. So it was okay, you know. And he's like, I look like my dad. I identify with my dad. And, and one day I came into the house about a year ago and I was like, oh, who do you look like? He says, I look like myself. I was like, okay. This is like a real, you know, I was like, you look like yourself. Why is that? He says, well, dad's not nice to me. I was like, okay. I said, what happened? He said, oh, I wanted to use the toilet and he was in the bathroom. I was like, okay, so now you don't look like your dad. He says, no. And then his dad was like, oh, no, you don't look like me anymore. He says, no. He said, so his dad said, well, I'm not your friend anymore. He says, he, the eight-year, well, he was probably seven. He said, well, you don't have to be my friend. You're my dad. You just... <laughs> just quite it was just quite the fact of that actually that having that identity and you know of actually being able to identify with someone and look up to somebody and say look I want to be like you I want to I want to walk the way you walk I'm I'm proud of you as a father and and how you protect me how you care for me how you provide for me and 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 how you actually you know give direction you know discipline as well you know a word that we don't like in this generation you know discipline actually being able to say these are the boundaries in which you have to to live by especially if you're under my roof and and the security that brings you know we're in a generation where actually we don't want boundaries we just want to do what we like but that security that comes with with boundaries actually protects them to be able to grow in a healthy manner in order for them to become men and women of God who will be able to be a light in the community and a light in the city you know and I thank God for my dad my dad before I leave in the morning he's already gone and checked the tires and he's pumping it up and I'm thinking actually I don't know what to do with this car thank God you're still here now. <laughs> and, 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 and sorting it all out but my story didn't start like that you know so my story didn't start with a dad and there's many people that might even be here and there's many people in this society that actually are fatherless you know who don't have a father so today that we're celebrating father's day or whenever you're celebrating mother's day or whenever you're celebrating christmas you've got other people that actually want to commit suicide because they can't identify with what it is to have a father They've had to father themselves from a young age. And my sister and I, we were orphaned when I was three. And I have a real sense, I thank God for his grace um, for my adopted parents now. They adopted me while, probably 10 years ago. But um, I feel blessed to be able to know what it is to live on both sides of the fence. Because when you're a child and you're, you, you know, you don't, you, you, you live in this kind of bubble and you, 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 you've, you've been given a life and you have to live the life that you've been given. And as a child, I was abused as a child right through to the age of about 16. And at that point, I had decided that it was time for me to leave. It was no longer, you know, feasible for me to be able to stay in the house any longer. And... I went to the police station and I told them everything that was happening in the house and they said to me, oh, you know, the best thing for you to do is either you have to hide or we're going to have to look for you because that's our legal obligation. Well, I hid. I had a good friend, an Italian family, and I hid for a while and then I moved to hostels. But I, can, I know what it is not to have an identity. And I know what it is for many children and young people even today that have no one to identify with. They don't have a mother to identify with because she might be on drugs or she might be drinking and she doesn't, they don't know their father. And so what happens is that they start to identify with those things that will accept them. 
And more often than not, the things that accept them are not constructive. You know, the enemy has set a plan for their lives and they start magnify, they get drawn to things that actually have a plan to destroy them and to destroy their lives. And I remember growing up and as a teenager trying to, I, I, I mean, I just didn't know who I was. I didn't know who, I didn't know whether I was coming or I was going. And I thank God for my great aunt who brought us up, up onto that point. She was just like Holy Ghost filled. She was like, she was a woman of prayer. So, you know, she, she, she just kept on praying. She was just kept on covering us. And, and she wasn't the richest. She was actually the poorest of our family, but she was the only one willing to take two orphan kids in. You know, and, and she took us in, and she took us in as her own. So the biggest fragmentation also happened uh, when I was 16 was the fact that I, I, it was at that point that I was told that she was not my mother. So now I didn't know who I was, and I had a crisis, an identity crisis and breakdown. And I, and I, and I felt lost and bewildered, and I was very angry. I was very angry. So when people used to celebrate days like Father's Day or celebrate days like Christmas, I used to be, by the age of 16, I would be with my, a bottle of wine and thinking, this is how I'm going to celebrate it. I'll drink and sleep. You know, but I thank God that I, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, and there was no protection. There was no direction. Uh, my directors were my friends. We would sit down with our naive selves and try to kind of direct ourselves and give ourselves our own advice and see ourselves in, 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 in serious trouble, in, in dire situations, and, and, and in storms, you know. It was, it's kind of a setup. You start off with, like, no family, and then basically, because you have not got that, that wall of protection, called a father or called a mother, when you don't have that wall of protection, you actually become vulnerable to the, to the, to the attacks of society, the things that are there to basically pull you down, you get drawn into them, and they can define who you are and define your life. And a father provides a safety net. You know, I know now, you know, I'm with my dad, and my dad just doesn't mess about. He's like, he's, you know, he's, he's a proper dad. He's a proper dad. He doesn't mess about. He, he wants to know everything. He, there's no hidden secret. There's everything he knows. And, 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 and he's a friend. So I can sit down and say, Dad, look, this is what's happened today. What should we do? You know, this is, you know, he is open. And that's the kind of relationship, you know. Those are the things that last. It's, you know, it's your relationship with God, but you know what? It's your family relationship. Because you know you can go out and you could build a career for yourself, generate money and things like that. But you know, when, when, when everything goes quiet, the only thing that remains is you, your family, and God. So you have to build and invest in those things because the other things, they fleet away. And it's so easy for, it's so easy for there to be so many external pressures of bring so much, we need money, we need money, we need money, we need money. You know what, let's thank God for health. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's thank God that we've got a roof over our heads and we've got some food on our table because, you know, those are the things that sustain. Those are the things that, that, that last, people you can laugh with, people you can talk with. Those are the simple things, but they're the things that actually change lives. Those are the things you sit down and remember when, when it's time to go home to God. You sit down and you think, yeah, I spent good quality time with my family, good quality time with my wife, good quality time with my mum and my dad. Those are the things that last. And, you know, it's that intimacy. That's why, you know, that gets fragmented when the initial part of our relationship with God gets fragmented. Mm -hmm. The minute we stop communicating with him, all of a sudden the grace to be nice goes. 
I always say to people, if you want to check, if, if I, I always say to people, don't look at me here or when I minister in church, in my home church. I said, don't look at me there, go home. Yeah. You know, when I'm tired, my mum would be able to tell you, this girl's tired because then it's, she'll be like, it's time to go to your room, hon, because she knows that I'm now getting aggravated. And what happens is that the minute I get fragmented with my walk with God, the minute that intimacy goes, every other intimacy goes. Because actually, when I come into a relationship or a communication with somebody, it's actually not, no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. But the minute I think it's me that lives, God shows me, Ruth, you can't do this by yourself. So it's so important that even as fathers, that we stay connected as the head to be able to flow that anointing from God that will just go throughout our families. And I also notice so much in the house of prayer, once I'm fragmented, my team's fragmented. If I'm not in the front room of God, all of a sudden there's all of these, I'll be going, if I go through warfare, the people and the young people that are working with me in leadership, they're going through warfare. And that's just saying, Ruth, you best line up. You've got too much responsibility to be playing games. You know, there's eternity on the line here. You know, so actually, I, sometimes we think it's okay. It's only the way they see you or the way you act. No, spiritually, if, I'm, if I've got a fragmentation, I'm setting up these people to fail. You know, so I have to seek God with everything because actually that's the only thing that counts right now. Because actually he will start aligning me and allowing his grace to flow through me. So when they see me, they say, you know what? It's no longer Ruth there. It's God that lives. And then they'll be able to say, Ruth, you know what? I'm pressing in too. I'm pressing in because I want his grace to flow in and through me. And so we've just got to get that family order right back in line, starting with the head of the church, Jesus Christ. We have to get that intimacy levels back. We cannot try to start being nice to each other without actually start loving God. You know, when you look at the two commandments, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Guess what? If I ain't doing that, I can't do the other. I'm not even going to front. If I'm not doing that, all of a sudden you look at me hard and I'm be like, oh, you know. But if I line up with God, he will just be like, calm down, Ruth. He can start ministering. But if I disconnect my phone, it will die. Yes. It's, and, you know, if we look at the things in the natural and we know that, okay, you can you set up your phone, you charge your phone all night, and then you're able to use it in the day. So what about you? Have you plugged in this morning? Yeah. Did you spend time plugging in with God? You didn't spend time plugging in with God, but then you're worried why you can't even get on with somebody else? Yeah. How can you get on with somebody else when it's no longer you that lives? Your life is no longer your own. Yeah. You gave your life up. Yeah. You gave your life up. But now you've given your life up, but you're now trying to live by yourself. Yeah. And then there will be animosity. There will be contention. There will not be love. And there will be a struggle. Because God is saying, you know what? You can't do this. Come back home. Yeah. Just connect. And he's not even, he's not notorious. If you just plug in the phone, you plug in your spiritual life, whether it's worship you're going to do, you, you stay in your house, you lift up your hands and you glorify God, or you plug into prayer, or plug into the word. As you start connecting to him, the grace starts to flow in and through you. And as the grace flows in and through you, then it will flow in and through your house. Your problem is not her or him or the children. Your problem is your connection with God. Because you know what? God might be using them to change you because he wants you to go so deep inside of him that actually nothing's changed in them but you see differently because it's no longer your eyes. He's trying to change you. He's trying to take those glasses off. He's trying to make you see with his eyes, with Dove's eyes, that actually, the, you know, it just, I mean, I get, when I do um, pastoral care, I get so many people that will come to me and they'll be like, oh, 
Ruth, look at what she said to me. Oh, look what he did to me. Oh, I'm not talking to him. Ah, look at, and you know, and, and I, you know, sometimes you'll hear one side of the story and actually, you know, say the wife will come and say, oh, look at what he did to me. He said this to me. And actually what he said was wrong. And actually what he said is bad. But I'll be to the person, no, you're, you've got an issue. I said, so you're actually seeing it. I said, the fact that you're seeing it means you're disconnected. Because yeah. now you're, you're, you're making your phone accusation. I said, that, that's not the eyes of Christ, because life suffers longer than his time. Yeah. So, I, so they don't even, I like, if you want to come to me, the first thing I want to do is examine you. Yeah. Yeah. You understand? Because you know what God says, check your heart, examine yourself. Right. Your job is to examine your heart. Stop watching him and stop watching her. I said, in fact, I said, that's your temperature gauge. Mm-hmm. Every time that he causes you to get provoked means you're in the wrong place. Yeah. You understand? If you start you're supposed to, everything they do is nice. And furthermore, by the time you start spreading that level of love, that person will come back to you and be like, I'm sorry. You won't even ask them to say sorry. God will humble them by themselves. But you know what you're trying to be doing the humbling. That's the problem. You're trying to do the work of God in your own strength. But God is calling us to get back to him. And when we get back to him, then our families come back together. When our families get back together, guess what? So do our communities. That's how fathers build up, raise up the foundations. They start on their knees. They start in the word. They start in prayer. And you're starting praying fast. And I tell you, take it up. There's nothing better than positioning your heart for God. Positioning to say, God, I'm making time for you. You're just that important. And that's what God is calling us to, not to be looking at ourselves. You know, we see in Timothy where it says that we'll be lovers of ourselves. Let's love somebody else. Let's suffer. Let's suffer long. Yeah. Let them slap us. And we say, that's okay. Here's the other side. Yeah. The only way you can do that is but for the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to be pressing in so that his grace can be able to give us the grace to love. Yeah. The grace to love so that when our children see it, our children will be like, wow, mom, he said that to you and you're laughing. This is amazing. Yeah. By the time they know it, they don't want to know who you're serving. Yeah. Yeah. But when you start slaughtering each other, they're going to be like, well, that God can't be that great because you're still the same. So we have to be the image. We have to be the ones. We have to be the ones. We we cannot be Christians because we come to church on Sunday. It's just not enough. Trust me, it's not enough. Jesus said that those who call, they will look like me. They will look like me. It's not just the label. The label isn't nothing. It's here. It's that heart connection. It's that heart connection. Are you connected with God? Are you connected with God? Forget your neighbor. If you're seeing your neighbor too much, that's because you're disconnected. Yeah. It's your temperature gauge. It's showing you where you're at. And it's time to just change the temperature. Yeah. Change the temperature so that you could be emulating love in your house. Emulating love in your community. And actually, as you keep your eyes stuck on him, you'll be able to produce the fruits that he has destined for us. He didn't die for the fun of it. You understand? He died that we may live. In him we live and move and have our being. He died so that we could be walking in the fullness of it. You know, that's what he died for. That's why the world doesn't change. Because they look at us and they think, well, they're Christians. We don't do too bad. We could just try and be morally good. They live just like us. They complain about the same things as us. You know, we, we just become so, we just become like the world. We no longer become the light in the city and we're all right with it. That's the thing that provokes, we're all right with it. We don't mind. We don't mind. We don't realize that the, 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 the problem sometimes that we're encountering in our lives is an alarm. It's God saying, wake up children, it's time, it's high time. 
It's high time to reconnect. It's high time to find your way home. It's high time. It's high time. This is the time. The time is now. It's now to raise up the foundations. It's now. And you know what? You can't be slaughtering your, your husband or your, the fathers or, and then expecting them to stand up. You have to build them up. And sometimes you know what? You see that mouth you want to use to kill them? Go into the closet and pray. Those those, those prayers, those words aren't for humans. They're for spirits. Take it to the secret place. Take it to the secret place. If you claim you love God, go on your knees, press in, and you'll see God come into your house. That's how you change things. That's how things are changed. And it's a time to raise up the foundations. It's time to raise up the foundations. Yes, for children abroad, but you know what? Let's start in our houses. Let's take our streets back. Let's take our families back. Let the fire of God burn in this generation. Let this be the generation that is known. You say it says that the light shines brighter in the darkness. This is a dark age. It's a dark age, and it needs people that are relentless. And these people that say, you know what, I don't business. I'm going to press into the glory of God. So his fullness is manifested. So I walk with his glory. So it's no longer me. So it's no longer me. So when people see me, they'll see the love of God. That I won't even have to try. And it's not about self-modification. It's not about character building. It's about reconnecting. It's about reconnecting. If you stay connected, he'll do it. If you try and do it, God will make sure you get so frustrated with your self-development processes. He'll make you look so... You, you, the, the thing that you were struggling with will become so worse so that you could cry and say, God, without you, I can do nothing. Come to me, God. Without you, come and do it in me, Jesus. I don't know how to love. I don't know how to be nice. I don't know how to be thankful. I'm ungrateful. I'm a complainer. I'm rebellious. I don't like people. And when you say, God, do it inside of me, he will do it inside of you. He will release his anointing to flow in and through your life. It's whether you want it. That's what Christianity is about. Christianity is about I die and he lives. I die daily. That's what it's about. Are you still living? You can't be living. When you were baptized, you gave up your life. So this life today is no longer yours. You've got to give him back the steering wheel and allow him to drive you, drive your family, and drive this world to the next level for him and for his glory. God is calling us. He's just calling us. There's a stir. Yeah. You know, God is a, he, he, he's, he's raising up fire starters. Yeah. He's raising up fire starters. People that will not <laughs> will not compromise. Will not settle for the status quo. People that are so hungry that his presence, which is just like almighty presence will fill us. He's saying, will you make a place for me? That's the call today. Would you make a place for me so that I could pour in the foundation? Would you make a place for me? Would you make a place for me so that I could take root? Will you make a place for me? Will you make, well, can I be, can I come at home? Can I come home? He's knocking, can I come home? Can I come home or are we just going to play church? Are we going to go play church, come on a Sunday, praise God? Even fast a bit, even pray a bit, read the Bible a bit and be so hellbound and be so cantankerous that actually we just look like the world. Which one is it? Like, which one is it? What are we going to do? Are we going to die? 
Are we gonna die? Are we gonna go like our forefathers did and say, you know what? I don't care what the society says, but I am gonna stand for my God. I'm gonna die for my king. I'm not dying, you know, tomorrow when we get old and it's time to go, but die today. Well, I still have life, but I still have the choice to live. I choose to die. What will you choose today? What will you choose today? That's the call. What will you choose? Because what you will choose will determine the destiny for your children, your family, and your generation. Thank you, Jesus. A father of the fatherless. A defender of the widow. Is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. You know what? God set the solitary in me. He set me in a family. My mum and my dad, they're my best friends. If you see them, they're, you know, we, 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 they're my best friends. They don't play with me and I don't play with them. They're people that seek holiness and what holiness. They've been with compassion for over 20 years. As a family, we see... We, you see, it's okay. You see, one thing that is so important to me, it's important to me, this heart condition, soul care. Because you know what? Modern day Christianity is outside. This is where it happens. And actually, it's the soul, it's the heart. It's not what, okay, I'm gonna be all of that acting that we've done so well for so many years, that's, you know. It's actually the heart. He doesn't look at this, he looks at this. He doesn't look at the outside man, he looks like the internal man. And you know what, I remember, Growing up in church and my great aunt, she's such a giver. That woman, I mean, we would be, she, we would be sitting down and they would be asking people to give for like something for the church. And we would have no food in our fridge. And she would be like, yeah, I'll give a hundred pounds. And I said, would be like, well, where's the money? You know, and she'd be looking at her. And, and, she, and, and, and it was uncomfortable to give. And even in this generation where actually people no longer... Um, preaching the gospel, we're preaching about success, you know, how we can have a good life while we're here and, you know, all of those things. So actually people are so preoccupied with life now that they forget that we've got eternity. We've got a hundred years to make sure we're ready for eternity. And actually, our call is that we bring the kingdom of God, not only to our lives, but to others. And that's what compassion is about. Compassion is about, yeah, we see pictures of children, but actually, let's even forget the children, let's think about their soul. These children that don't know God, in the end of the day, they don't know God, they'll be going to hell. So God raises us up as people to be able to stand in the gap and be fathers to the fatherless. You know, and today that is my call. My call is to reconnect with God so that we can build up the foundations, raise the foundations through you connecting with God. But you know what? Bringing someone else along. And so I've got a table out there. Please feel free to talk to me today. And it is about sponsoring a child. I have a child here. His name is Jordan. Your sponsorship, which is about 83p a day, it allows you to write letters, helps him to go to school. He's supported by a local church. So many of them that come to the projects, they're not Christians and they're able to become Christians and be continually supported. They get medical checkups and they get one-to-one relationships with other people who can mentor them and they get vocational training. So please, please, today I'm at the back. 
Don't only think about your family today. Think about the people that don't have a family or don't have the opportunity to be protected, to find their identity in Christ, or even to be able to find that security. So please take your time out to do that today. And I don't, yeah, so that's, that's, that's it. I just want to pray. I just want to pray. Amen. Father God, I just thank you for your presence today. I thank you for your grace, dear Lord. I thank you, dear Lord, because you call us as your children and you're our Father, Lord. And we thank you for your, your covering over our lives, your identity that we, we have, Lord, in you, dear Lord. And I pray, dear Lord, that every heart that's been hardened, dear Lord, just through life, just through normal day things where we just get so busy and preoccupied that we ignore some fundamentals. Father God, reconnect us today. Reconnect our hearts with you, dear Lord. I pray that you'll break our hearts for what breaks yours in the name of Jesus. And Father God, give us the heart of flesh, a heart that will love you, serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Father God, we just right now, Jello, we take away every attack over their lives. Every attack over their peace. Every attack over them being fathers, dear Lord. I come against that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, I don't only pray for these men standing, but I pray for other men, dear Lord, that you've called, dear Lord, as fathers, dear Lord, that may be struggling. They may be wrestling, oh God. But Father God, even when their, their, their manhood is being challenged, Father God, I pray that you will release your anointing upon them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that even now that you ignite a new fire in their yes. bellies. That Father God, that you will ignite a fire, dear Lord, that will burn, dear Lord, that will be burning in their house, oh God. Set an altar in their hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father God, I pray that you make their wives fanning in the name of Jesus. That they will be fanners, oh God. That they will find that fire. That they will fan, fan it in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray that you establish them. Establish them in their works, establish them in their businesses. Father God, even those who are struggling and can't find their way, Father God, give them clarity and direction in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father God, I pray that you build up their foundation, oh God, that they can build the foundation of their families in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray for a turnaround today in the name of Jesus. The Father God, the people that came in here, men that came in here bewildered will find clarity of mind in the name of Jesus. Have your way in their hearts, mind, soul, and spirit. Father God, let them be honored. Amen. Let them be respected. Amen. Father God, let them be built up in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the life of Ruth. Thank you that you have chosen to speak to us through her as your vessel. Lord, we surrender with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There are words that you have spoken that have come to break yokes. Yes. And because you come as a yoke breaker, Amen. as also I pray that you are touchable in Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray for your future. That only the counsel of God will stand. Amen. I pray that that what you're waiting for, that the door is open today. As you have opened through the word of God, the hearts of men, so also that the heaven opens for you. For the journey that is ahead. All that is required, we release that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. May God bless you. The Lord watch over you. Amen. The Lord grant you peace. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.